Hello, 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 family. <clears throat> shalom, 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 family. Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Bread Podcast. Good morning, good noon, good evening, good day to you guys, wherever you are. Uh, welcome. Thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, because now we in a whole new space, new time, new frontier with the word. Um, we in a new book, family. So it's a whole new point in the history. And um, again, we're going forward from a whole new reference point. And uh, what I mean by that is today, from the day on, we read in the book of Leviticus, but it's formerly known as Uyakra, also known as Uyakra, or He Calls. And um, that's the name of this Hebrew scroll, commonly called Leviticus. It is also known as Uyakra, which means he called. And they get the name of the scrolls from the first word that's on the top of the scroll. The first word that the scroll begin with is the name of the scroll. By the sheet is by the sheet because that's what it said on the first line. In the beginning, or by the sheet, that's Genesis. And Shemuk uh, names report, commonly called Exodus, it's called Shemuk. Because the beginning of that scroll, the first word in the scroll is called Shemot. Names. These are the names of the people that la la la. So today we finally on the scroll of Uyakra, commonly called Leviticus, which means he called and Yahuwah called. He called Moses from the tent of meeting, and he called out to all of us from wherever we are, we were, into the light. So again. Good morning, good evening, family. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us. Welcome, um, welcome to the Daily Bread Podcast. Where we read the Word of Yahuwah daily, and the Daily Bread Podcast is presented to you by Living for Yahuwah Ministries. I'm your host, Daliyahu Yashara, and family. I'm pleased to say that we're here to read another chapter. So, um, buckle up, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this chapter. I'm going to do my best to read through it, but also explain anything, any nuances that I can, being that we're in a new chapter and just a new setting of what's going on. Um, just let's continue with the program and the housekeeping rules, the order of operation, like we always talk about. Before we get into the chapter, we're going to open up in prayer so that we clear our hearts and our minds before we start reading, right? And um, before we pray, we're going to do the recap so that if this is your first time listening in, you guys can be more um, refreshed and more um, have more understanding of what's going on in the current book, right? So the point is, speaking of the recap, let's start with the recap first. You know, again, we're in our third book now. So we passed the book of Genesis, a better sheet, and we passed the book of Exodus or Shemuk. And they were two iconic books in the scriptures, the first and second chronologically um, books of the, the Hebrew scriptures. Now we we on our third book, which I'm pleased about. And uh, again, the whole tone, the whole vibe is different. So how is it different? You got Bereshit, Genesis, in the beginning. Obviously, that's the creation account. What happened? Yahuwah made the earth in six days. He rested on the seventh day. We had Yahuwah finding righteous individuals like Noah. Like Abraham, who Noah got saved through the flood. Abraham was delivered from um, uh, a, a, a 
a nation that was about to get judged in uh in Babylon and Solomon and Gomorrah, Yahuwah delivered him because he found him righteous. So we want to continue to be righteous. Yahuwah looking for righteous people. If this one family, we follow in the lineage of these people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, as they travel and fulfill the promises of Yahuwah and uh, go to the, the land that he showed them. So that's Genesis. That's Brother Sheep. And in traveling to this land that Yahuwah was showing them, we had plenty of obstacles, uh, adventures, sojournings, and plenty of experiences that's written down and recorded in Exodus. Uh, most notably, a famine happened and occurred in the, known, in the known world at that time, which led our forefathers down into Egypt for, for, for safety and security. But we ended up becoming slaves in Egypt and uh, they oppressed us bitterly. So again, we familiar. We, some of us may be familiar with the story. You know, uh, the Most High raised up the man Moses and, and brought him into the wilderness and told him about his covenant, his commandments, and sent him back to the children of Yashra. And, and he sent him back with the iconic phrase that we all know of, let my people go. And uh, eventually, after 10 plagues, Pharaoh was destroyed and we walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. And Yahuwah brought us out, family. And he brought us to his mountain. And he gave us his commandments. Even the Ten Commandments, tablets written on stone. Written with the finger of Allahim, not with the finger of man. So that's the, 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 the foundation of the book of Shemot that we just finished reading as well. The understanding of the covenant that's given. Um, all these things have been uh, solidified and verified. And I'm glad we got a chance to read them together, family. And we all, if we haven't read this or we haven't fully understood it, at this point, I'm glad to say it's been made available in audio format. We're able to just go back to Daily Bread, go to these episodes where we highlight these uh, characteristics of the covenant, and we can all be refreshed. So now, Uyakra, commonly called Leviticus, we read in chapter 1, family. And uh, this book, if I can give you just a, a, a foreword, it's the book of the priests. So we know that the Most High given us his commandments and statutes, um, like we spoke about on, on the mountain. <clears throat> but now his, his tent of meeting, his tabernacle, so to speak, in the wilderness is completed. And the last couple chapters of Exodus have been about this tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And uh, wow, it's been amazing. And to even read about it, right, and understand the construction. But at this point, imagine the Most High is activating his temple, his meeting place, his presence, his presence among his people. Because he has always said that he would dwell with his people. This relates to us in the current modern day sense as us waiting for the kingdom to come. Because we know that he will dwell with his people. But this promise is a secular promise which has been fulfilled because he literally dwelt with them in the tent of meeting in the wilderness as they camped around the tent. He dwelt with us and walked the earth as the Mashiach as we know. He walked the earth and died for us. He dwelt with mankind very much literally. And we're looking forward to happen again literally. But the book of Uyakra uh, or Leviticus it's like the foundation of the Torah, the foundation of understanding how he's going to walk with us, how he's going to dwell with us, and what we need to do to be in accord with him, in operation with him. So 
This book was for the priests, the orders of operation for the temple, how they should handle the whole nation of people that would come to them for religious, ceremonial, and spiritual sacrifice, worship, and service. So I hope that makes sense, family. I really hope that makes sense. The book of Leviticus is a book that is um, very much underrated and misunderstood amongst the, the masses. But even more so amongst the returning Israelites and just understanding the importance of the priesthood. So I welcome you to join us in reading. I thank you guys for being here and just making your time available and, and just carving out a piece of your day for the Most High, for His servants, for Yahuwah, to read His Word and to do His will. So with that said, that's the recap, family. We read Genesis, we read Exodus, and now... We are officially in Leviticus, and I'm so glad because this is a, a book that we definitely can take a lot from as far as understanding righteousness and understanding our maker. So, um, yes, family, Kerry Boo, join us. So, with that being said, it's only right that it's, I'm so excited after speaking so highly of Allahim, we get to pray to him. We get to go before him in prayer and ask of his forgiveness. We go before the throne. And boldness so uh, that is what we are now we're gonna pray uh, make supplication to Allah for bringing us to this point because it's truly marvelous it's truly marvelous um, I hope you guys enjoying the vibe we changed the music a little bit if you notice when we did Genesis it was a uh, soaking in his presence melodious worship music um, for the book of Exodus we changed it up a little bit just to go with the theme of Exodus the song, Rastafarian song, the uh, Bob Marley Exodus vibe because it's iconic and uh, it's truly uh, happening before our eyes, the Exodus and the movement of Yahuwah's people. But at this point, we want to go back to hearing his voice as he calls us, as he uh, gives us his instruction. This book of Leviticus, Uyakra, we, we tone it down again with the melodious music. The, the sounds of the Most High, the harp, the string instruments, the rain in the background. So I hope you guys um, are feeling the ambiance as we listen to the voice of Allahim. Because that's what Uyakra means. It means He called. Yahuwah has called us. He called Moses. He called from the Tenemite. He called to Him out of the voice in the cloud. So uh, I hope you guys have just feeling the vibe as we get into the word of Yahuwah. So let's pray, family. Let's pray that he blesses our endeavor. He, um, let's just make supplication. So if you don't understand at this point, the custom of the Hebrews is to stand in prayer. You also can kneel in prayer or worship face down and make prayer, but we're going to stand as a congregation. We stand in prayer. We face the direction of Jerusalem. We lift up our hands and we open our palms, family. So all of these things can be found anecdotally here and there in the Hebrew text about how they prayed and it was the custom to pray. Standing facing the temple, hands open, lifted, and spread out. So uh, let's do that and make supplication, family. Mm -mm, just like this. Baruch Atah, Yahuwah, Alahinu, Hamalak Ulam, our Father who is in the heavens, permit your name to be set apart. Permit your reign to come. Permit your desire to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. 
We come before you asking, praying, making supplication that you give us this day, Yahuwah, our daily bread. We ask that you forgive us for our sins and our trespasses against your Torah and against your commands. We ask that you also forgive us for the sins and iniquity transgressions of our forefathers and our ancestors and our current family for these sins and transgressions against your Torah and your commands. As we forgive our dead orders and we forgive each other and we forgive those who trespass against us, we ask that you forgive us and let us be covered in the blood of our Mashiach and Sovereign Yahushua. We ask and pray earnestly and mightily that you allow us not to be led into trial, but save us and deliver us from the wicked one. For yours, O Yahuwah, is the reign, the power, and the esteem now and forever. Yahuwah, we, we, we want to come before you and just hearts full of hum humility and gratitude, spiritually worshiping, making obedience, obedience, worshiping, face down before your throne in the spirit. We want to just come before you with, again, hearts full of humility, humbleness, meekness, gratitude. We come to you as humble as we know how, asking that you cleanse us, purify us, make us set apart vessels for your spirit, for your word, for your purpose. You We just ask that you continue to mold us, continue to call us into the purpose of our lives into your temple, into your dwelling place. Call us into being a near, nearer position. We want to be nearer to you. We want to be close to you, Allahim. So we just ask that you continue to show favor to us. Let your light shine upon us as we endeavor to do your word. Uh, these things and more, we pray in the name of our Mashiach and Sovereign, Yahusha. Halal Yahuwah. Tuda Yahuwah. Yabadakat Yahuwah. Oh. Bless you, Yahuwah. You are blessed, you. We bless you, Yahuwah. Ah, my. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, family. So, again, I'm glad to be back with you. I praise Yahuwah that I'm able to be back with you. Uh, I praise Yahuwah for you guys choosing to be here with me in this space, in this time, in this moment to listen to the word of Yahuwah because he has called he called all of us. If you listen to his, to my voice, you listen to his word. If you read in his word, he called you. He is calling you. Uyakra is the name, family. So let's get more into it and see how he called. What did he say? So we reading chapter one, the book of Leviticus, formerly known, also known as Uyakra, chapter one, verse one. And Yahuwah called Moses. And spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Again, the first word in the Hebrew of this scroll is Uyakra. He called out. Yahuwah called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Yasharal and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to Yahuwah, you will bring your offering from livestock, from the herd, or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he will make, he will offer a male without blemish. He will bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before Yahuwah. We all want to be accepted before Allahim. And again, right now this chapter, he and the rest of this book is heavy on the offerings. Like he said. Verse 2, speak to the people of Yashra. When any man brings an offering to Yahuwah, 
Verse 3, if his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, it will be, he will offer a male without blemish. So that is the crux of this whole chapter and the next coming chapter, family. The offerings that we bring to the temple. We can't worship him any any way, anyhow. It's a certain things he expecting us to bring. So very important we understand this. Verse 4. He will lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering. And it will be accepted for him to make atonement for him. He has given us the understanding and the inner workings of how sacrifices work. If you want this sacrifice to make atonement for you, to take away your sin, you need to bring it here to this center meeting. You need to place your hand on his head and give it to the priest so he can slaughter it, kill it, and make atonement and be a mediator before Yahuwah on your behalf with this animal. That is the process Yahuwah is setting up for his people. We need to understand it. So too often, the book of Leviticus is glossed over because it's just sacrifice this, kill that. But we need to understand what is happening here. How our sin is being taken away. How this leads us to the Mashiach. How he was able to atone for us. How transference worked. Not touching unclean things. Not touching cursed things or idols. Because this animal is set apart. <clears throat> we set it apart. The priest set it apart. His altar sets it apart. But the animal is special. Yahuwah chose this to be a, an intermediary to take away our sins and make atonement, a covering for us. We touch it. Our sins for our sins are theoretically transferred unto the animal. And the animal is slaughtered for our sins. So we understand transference is a thing. We understand blessings and curses. Uh, we understand being in sin or being removed, having sin removed from us is a thing. Like all of these very, very heavy spiritual concepts are highlighted in this book of Uyakra. The 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 concept of blood from atone blood atonement. Like these things are when you talk about being a priest of Allahim, a priest of anything, because even a voodoo priest, even a priest that's uh do um how do we call it Haitian um voodoo all these dark priests um the people that are contrary to you, even they understand these things. Transference, the killing of an animal, whether it's a chicken or a goat or it's whatever they offering, they understand blood got to be shed to initiate this curse or this plague or whatever they trying to do. So this is something that Yahuwah giving us as understanding for righteousness, but understand it is a universal spiritual realm that can be accessed and for good or for evil. And people are using this information and this precept set forth here for other means, but he giving it to us in righteousness. So it's we got to be very careful in understanding these things when we go to implement these things and even understanding the way Yahuwah has given us spiritually now to come to him with our mediator being a high priest in heaven. With, the, with an eternal offering and eternal bloodshed that has happened that we are still covered by. We can't read this chapter about the tenant meeting and about the rudimentary, uh, the foundation of the processes of the law and not understand the heavier spiritual matter we are in this day and this moment. So I don't want to stop too much from being exactly reading exactly what the word says, right? 
But I just want to make sure in this first chapter, we understanding the importance and implications of the things he's saying here in Uyakra about sacrifice, bloodshed, transference. Again, touching the animal's head. Why? Because your sins go to him. And he's going to die for your sins. That's amazing. That's still something I like. A lot of people, we not taught these things in school, family. I really want to highlight this to you. Wherever you're from and wherever you at, you listening in the world, just understand they're not teaching you this in school. But a priest of Allahim, someone knowledgeable and skilled in his Torah, his, his word, can have the power to atone your sins. And that's what the Mashiach even said. He told his disciples, Whatever you bound in heaven gonna be bound on earth. If you forgive someone's sins, they forgive them. If you bound them to their sin, they bound. So it's very important to understand as we pray, let his desire be done on earth as it is in heaven. These things have eternal ramifications, consequences, and implications, family. I just want to share that and make sure it's clear. Verse 5. I'm going to read verse 4 again. He will lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted for him to make atonement for him. That is called transference. Verse 5. Then he will kill the bull before you and Aharon's sons, the priests, will bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar. That is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he will flay or skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aharon the priest will put the fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And again, very interesting. We're very important to understand this was happening every day, every single day. They had the morning and noon, the morning and evening burnt offerings. And then all day long while the temple was open, you had people bringing in individual offerings, getting atonement, bringing animals, for slaughter, for meat for the priest, blood for the temple, and the get thrown against the altar, and they bring they bought gifts. So it was meat for the priest, uh, the fat offering to Yahuwah, and they also bought other gifts that was for the storehouse, oil, wood for the offerings for the for the temple, for the for the uh the menorah light, uh flour and grain for the bread, the continual offerings of Yahuwah. So this what we reading about, this temple, these priests. The organization of a 24-hour place of worship and slaughtering to Yahuwah is something that the nations and still haven't seen. They had never seen and they still haven't seen it. We can only read this family together and imagine. Imagine. So this is the esteem of Jerusalem. This is the esteem of his people. Not just the temple, but the whole process, family. This is why a thousand years after David and Solomon were dead, the Mashiach had already died. You had European Gentile nations crusading, fighting for Jerusalem, killing other people, Arabs, Muslims, and Christians fighting to the death for this place because the esteem of what was happening, the process and procedure that Yahuwah implemented, that his people, our people, that they did in this place. The process and procedure that happened every day for 3,000 years, every day, unadulterated, unabated, continually sacrificed before Allah. How we worship, behold. The esteem of this place, people still fighting over Jerusalem. But this is the procedure and process that made the place, the renown of this place, go to the ends of the earth. 
everybody to the ends of the earth and saying to each other, have you heard that we can go to Jerusalem and get forgiveness for our sins? Is it true? Is it true? Very important to understand. Verse 5, I'm going to read it one more time. Then he will kill the bull before Yahuwah and Aharon's son, the priest, will bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he will flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aharon, the priest, will put the fire on the altar and arrange the wood for the, on the fire. Verse 8. And Aharon's sons, the priest, will arrange the pieces, the head and the fat, on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. Listen to verse 9. But the, its entrails, its legs, he will wash with water. And the priest will burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering. A full offering with a pleasing aroma to Yahuwah. Verse 10. If his gift for a burnt offering is from the flock, from the sheep or goats, he will bring a male without blemish. And he will kill it on the north side of the altar before Yahuwah. And Aharon's son of the priest will throw its blood against the sides of the altar. And he will cut it into pieces with his head and his fat. And the priest will arrange them on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But the entrails and the legs he will wash with water. And the priest will offer all of it and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a full offering with a pleasing aroma to Yahuwah. If his offering to Yahuwah is a burnt offering of birds, then he will bring his offering of turtle doves or of pigeons. And this is very important to understand as I continue, as we get about halfway through the chapter, to understand Yahuwah gave everybody options, first of all. So we have to understand, in this day and age, to bring a whole cow, a male burnt offering, like you say, from the flock, from his herd, you bring an offering from the herd, we talked about it, it's say a male without blemish a bull that was the equivalent of a car family to bring a, a, a $32,000 car $20,000 car and burn it up for you who some people was able to make that type of offering kings noble people you know obviously people who had wealth stature every it was always a class system in every economy every society Solomon was able to offer up whole burnt offerings of rams I mean of bulls Abraham was able to make offering like that. These people were rich, family. That's like offering up, uh, slaughtering a car, burning up $20,000. Easy. But we see he gave, it was a class, cl different types of offering. Everybody wasn't able to burn up a whole cow. So some people bought a sheep or a goat, family. That was the more, uh, how do we say, middle class sacrifice option if you want to make atonement before Allahim. But obviously, like Mashiach said, we always have the poor among us and the low class people. So we have offerings of turtle doves. You able to bring a bird for slaughter and then remove sins the same way. So an individual didn't have to bring all three. I'm going to bring a, a bull, a ram, and a bird, which obviously if they wanted to, they can donate to, to the priest. But he giving us, well, I'm giving you breaking down the understanding that we had options of sacrifice. Some people's class of sacrifice wasn't other people's class or options or preference for sacrifice so that's uh, another 
um, distinguishing idea and something I want you guys to understand reading this chapter concerning the sacrifices, the different nature of the sacrifices. I'm going to read it again. Verse 14. If his offering to Yahuwah is a burnt offering of birds, then he will bring his offering of turtle doves or pigeons. Verse 15. And the priest will bring it to the altar, wring off his head, and burn it on the altar. His blood will be drank down on the side of the altar. He will remove its crop with its contents and cast it beside the altar on the east side in the place for ashes. He will tear its open by his wings but will not sever it completely so basically maybe butterfly like butterfly the bird but it's, it's tore open but not severed completely and the priest will burn it on the altar on the wood that is on the fire it is a burnt offering a full offering with a pleasing aroma to your hallelujah hallelujah so that's the end of that chapter, family, and I'm glad we were able to go through it and get a little bit of I was explaining it as we went, so by the time we finish, it's, we understand what just happened. So we see that in this chapter 1, as we get into Uyakra, he called, he called us to make a slaughter, make a sacrifice, make an offering, give a gift worthy of repentance, family. That's the best, basic way we can put it in this day and age. Yeah, we can go before Allahim. We do. We did. Go before Elohim and make sacrifice and get atonement for our sins. We can go and make supplication before Elohim. But it's important to understand the way how the temple was set up. These things that were always written for our remembrance and the statues that were given. Because again, everything that the temple represents and embodies is a, it's um, it is a, it is a shadow of, in a replica in this um. It basically highlights what we're supposed to be doing right now. Everything we're doing is foreshadowing. It's a secular nature. It's a re reoccurring thing. Every day, it's still a continual sacrifice being had. Our prayers, the bulls of our lips, the praise and worship is like a, a spiritual sacrifice to Allahim. But it's also in the same way, we have to come and make a spiritual sacrifice and give up something. Whatever it is. That's holding us back. Whatever it is that we put before Elohim. So, yeah, with that family, I'm going to leave it right there. Because, again, this chapter, this reading, it's the beginning of our studies and not the end. And there's so much we can take from this. I want, we're looking forward to continuing to walk through the book of Uyakra, commonly called Leviticus, and learn more about the priesthood. How they were assigned to lead the people and delegate the people. And just proceed with this operation before the people with the people so it's been a pleasure family thank you so much for reading with us for joining with us walking with us and um yeah man we ask that you guys again follow the podcast so anytime we drop a new episode you notify we ask that you interact with us tell us what you think what you think about the whole sacrifice and slaughtering issue it's a big issue um some people still talk about slaughtering and sacrificing like we can still make burnt offerings to Elohim. Some people rather not. Some people have done it. Some people haven't. Have you ever slaughtered an animal? This is so many relevant topics. I feel like come up with this topic. And uh, I wanna, we want to continue the discussion and interact with each other about the topic. So we're looking forward to knowing what do you think about the chapter. Some other nuances, uh, symbolic, symbolic um, 
gestures you think in the chat that we missed anything else we, we should talk about interact with us in the question and answer and let us know and also feel free to follow us on social media family so um daliyahu your host we sign out until the next chapter family we say shalom 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 see you on the next chapter family shalom <laughs>